Welcome to the Forest Overstory podcast. This podcast explores forest stewardship in the Pacific Northwest, helping landowners and professionals gain new insights and information in the field of forest management. The Forest Overstory is a product of the Washington State University Extension Forestry Program and is supported by the Washington Department of Natural Resources and the Society of American Foresters. All right, welcome back, listeners, and happy November. I'm Patrick Schultz, Extension Forester with Washington State University and host of the Forest Overstory podcast. We have another great episode in store today featuring some exciting guests to chat with, as usual. Uh, but before I get to them, I want to introduce my new co-host uh, for this episode. You may remember her from an earlier episode of the podcast where we talked about uh, Women Owning Woodlands program and her new position with WSU. I am joined by Molly Dar today. Molly, how are you? Hi, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, this is really exciting for me. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, just to an update, my name is Molly, and I'm the new Forest Health Extension Specialist. Um, I'm based out of the Mount Vernon uh, Northwest Research and Extension Center. So if you're nearby, or even if you're not, please reach out and introduce yourselves. Awesome. Thanks. I, you know, for your folks that haven't heard that episode that we did with Molly, I really encourage you to go back and uh, check it out. It was a really fun conversation. And I believe it's episode 17. I should know that, but I don't. So it's <laughs> yeah, somewhere in that area, <laughs> in that region. Go back and listen to all the episodes. That's a good idea. Um, so, yeah, th those that did hear, I do know them about Molly's new position. And, um, yeah, definitely check her out. Reach out to her for for those in her, her region and um, uh, get to know some of the stuff she's doing. But for now, we're excited to have her on and helping me uh, ask some, some questions of our, our guests today, who we're very excited to interview. Um, and so rather than ramble on, I think we should just get right into it. Uh, so our guests are from all from the Washington Department of Natural Resources, uh, more specifically the Service Forestry Program. Uh, which is a new program with a lot of capacity to support landowners. Uh, to reference another old episode, you may remember when we had Matt Preventure on over a year ago, uh, well over a year ago, I think, actually. Uh, and he talked about this program just as it was getting started. And now it's been running for a little while. And we're joined by some great people that have been helping carry it out. And so we get to get an idea of what's going on in the ground. Uh, so we are joined by Kelsey Ketchison, Gary Bell, and Ann Favlis. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having yep, us. Thanks for having us, Patrick. Appreciate the invite. And I have to ask, I should have asked before, but did I butcher your last name? You pretty much nailed it. So oh, that's great. <laughs> you butchered I'll cut mine this part out, so I won't. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, well, I thought we could start by uh, going around the horn and just having each of you tell us a little bit about yourselves, um, you know, what your position is with the DNR and kind of how you came into it. Um, Kelsey, do you want to get started? Yeah, sure. So I am the Western Washington Service Forestry Coordinator, and my job is basically to provide support for the each of the four regions in Western Washington um, and to work on a programmatic level, um, kind of behind the scenes stuff, and then also to um, partner with Washington State uh, University Extension on different educational programs. Um, I, I came to this position 
uh, not directly from WSU, but I actually spent a few years working at WSU Extension uh, in the Puget Sound area. So I'm pretty familiar with the job and I got to work with a lot of DNR folks at that position. So um, it, this has been a nice transition. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet that some of our listeners remember you maybe from a workshop or a company planning <laughs> or something. It's it's good to have you in the sphere of landowner support again. Um, oh, all right. So how about uh, Gary? Do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Um, thanks again for, for having us on, Patrick. Um, so I am uh, Gary Bell. I'm the Forest uh, Resilience District Manager for DNR's Olympic region, which covers Clallam, Jefferson, and a good portion of Grace Harbor County um, here in Western Washington. Uh, I'm part of uh, kind of a four-pronged team. As uh, mentioned, we have four Westside regions, and um, we have uh, a lot going on in, in every one of them. But uh, I have three fellow district managers that we all coordinate amongst one another heavily and, and work with you guys there at, at WSU. And, and all that too. So um, a little bit about my background. Um, I spent 22 years at uh, the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife and prior to coming to DNR about a year and a half ago. Um, and about 14, a little over 14 years I spent uh, as uh, the forest wildlife kind of conservation biologist is probably the most appropriate term, dealing with forest practices and, and its interactions with wildlife and habitat on the landscape. Uh, and that evolved over time into conversations with forest health and a lot of uh, early work that DNR was uh, getting into in the forest health arena, including their Eastside 20-year forest health strategy, and things like the 2020 Forest Action Plan that was developed uh, to encompass Westside and the forest health issues, and um, also got involved working with forest health collaboratives and, and some work with the uh, U.S. Forest Service on the Upper Wenatchee Pilot Project and the, as they were putting the pieces together and, and planning those projects out for conducting actual forest health treatments on the ground. So. I think there's maybe three or four podcast episodes worth of conversation in there oh definitely, uh, in definitely. Your experience. yeah <laughs> yeah that and it's exciting to have someone with uh that wildlife background uh, to add perspective to the program yeah yeah it's been it's been really rewarding for me to to bring that uh, perspective into the mix of all this and kind of just the overarching sense of kind of stuff and strategies that we can try and implement to to deal with some of these forest health challenges that we have in western washington and while integrating you know some of the habitat components and, and the wildlife considerations that we can put in there that do good things for the critters as well as for the people so it's pretty cool really enjoying it great nice thanks Gary. Yeah. uh and you want to go next yeah sure i'm a service forester here in pa i work under gary and uh, I basically serve Jefferson and Clallam counties. Um, so kind of boots on the ground work with landowners, uh, setting out treatment areas and treatment specifications for doing fuels reduction projects as well as forest health projects. A little bit about my background. I come to you from Maine. I was uh, working in industrial forestry and some agriculture work, and then I started to get into um, more private consulting work uh, before moving out to uh, the PNW. 
And then before that, I worked at a field research station for seven or eight years. And that's when I wanted to go back to school, get an ecology degree and a uh, master of forestry degree, because um, that was really uh, more in line with my interests. Um, so, yeah, that's me. Nice. So uh, how do you like the Pacific Northwest? It's like Maine, but upside down. Uh, <laughs> similar trees, uh, similar shade tolerances, um, but then some major differences. Uh, so big learning curve when I moved out here, but pretty easy to figure out who goes where. Right. I like that. That's great. Yeah. When I came from Michigan, I had a similar experience. It's a totally different kind of forestry. Cool. Well, thank you both, or all, both, thank all three for for. Uh, introducing yourselves. I'm excited to to kind of dig into this service to artistry program and talk about what it's been looking like on the ground and your experiences with it. Um, before we do that, um, I thought maybe one of you could just tell us, you know, the thousand foot view, how, you know, what is the service forestry program? What does it do? And what can it offer forest owners? Kelsey, maybe do you want to take that one? Yeah, sure. So the service forestry program provides technical and financial assistance to landowners. Um, that means we provide free site visits or maybe you know phone or email consultations to assess people's resource conditions. We'll help people identify potential problems and opportunities and then recommend ma management practices to help achieve people's objectives, whatever those are. Um, Gary mentioned, you know, that they're they're in the Olympic region. We've got four regions, um, all covering covering everywhere in Western Washington. So we've got foresters everywhere that can come out to your property if you're a landowner, uh, walk through your woods with you, answer your questions, point out things that they notice. Um, you know, and then from there we could just make management recommendations, or we could help get you started on a management plan. Um, we also have funding um, to, to help write those if that's something that people are eligible for. Um, so it's really working with landowners on what their objectives are. Um, I think one thing I wanna point out is that everyone I've ever talked to wants a healthy forest. Um, but you know what that looks like really depends on the site conditions and what people's landowner objectives are. You know, some people want to grow. They think a healthy forest is one that'll grow a valuable stand of timber. Um, other people look at a healthy forest as one that supports wildlife. So depending on what you want, you know, you really want to manage your objectives in your forest differently based on your objectives. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out, kind of where we're coming from with this new program because not everyone will know this but but the service forestry program i th i was trying to do the math earlier because i think there's like 14 service foresters now in western washington is that right there's actually 18 in almost about almost 20 people on the staff total and yeah that's a big upgrade from what we had before. DNR's had a, a service forestry program for quite a while. It was called forest stewardship for a long time. And, and for a really long time, all they could support was maybe one or two staff for, the, for all of Western Washington. Um, 
you know, and so people were getting service, but, it, you know, it was a long wait. Um, it was really hard for the, sur- the stewardship forester, foresters at the time, to get everywhere. So in 2021, the legislator passed House Bill 1168, which was about forest health and wildfire reduction. And part of that funding came um, to landowners. So we were able to add a lot of staff in each of these regions. Um, We were also able to add a financial assistance program um, where we're able to partially fund different forest health treatments and just alluded to that. So um, fuels reduction, thinning, pruning, brush control, things like that. So just within the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of big uh, improvements to the program. Yeah, yeah, and it's really exciting because I guess the math is actually quite easy. If there's 20, 20 service foresters now, that's a 20 times growth, <laughs> right, in, in the program, which is just so exciting. And I think landowners should be really psyched about it. Um, and, and so just so I'm, I'm understanding fully, it, you know, these are people that can come out to your property and they can help uh, give you management suggestions. They can help you write a plan as well. Or is it kind of working just on recommendations and then moving into maybe cost share to actually get the work done? You know, if people have capacity, they can help with plans. Um, But more so, we're encouraging people to really do the bulk of the work writing their plans. So part of that could be taking, uh, you know, one way to do that would be taking a class through WSU Extension. you know, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with coach planning, but that's a course that will walk you through writing the plan. Um, and then we also have, as part of our financial assistance program, um, for landowners that are eligible, so you need 20 acres or more, um, we can provide partial funding for you to hire somebody, so a forestry consultant, um, to write the plan. So Kelsey, I wanted to ask a question. Would the landowner then work with the forestry consultant to write that plan based on their managed or their, um, let's say, landowner objectives? Or would that be sort of just something that where they just sort of sign over that responsibility um, and the forestry consultant will make most of the decisions? You know, it really depends on the landowner, but everyone needs to have some sense of what their objectives are to write that plan. Because that's part of the plan is to list out your objectives and then tie those to the management activities. Um, You know, if you're not able to just list out your objectives, one, two, three, right off the top of your head, that's okay. A lot of landowners, you know, just haven't really thought in that way, or a lot of people are new to land ownership um, and may want or need a plan for various reasons. So, you know, if you're not able to articulate those right away, that's fine. And that's something that a forester can work with you on. And then, you know, if you hire a forestry consultant, I think just going from what your objectives are, it'll depend on how much, um, you let them just kind of take the reins or how much you work with them. Okay. That makes sense. It's nice to hear that there's some flexibility there. Um, I know that 
I would probably, and I've heard this from some landowners in the past, especially novice ones, it's kind of hard to know where to start. And it can be sort of an intimidating process to dive in, um, feel like sort of like a stranger on your own property. So it's it's nice to know that there are certain um, ways that you can kind of, uh, beginners can enter it, and then you can kind of explore potentially what your values are together. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that you can talk to you know, the service foresters about as well. I mean, you know, like Anne has a ton of experience in industrial forestry um, and private consulting. I mean, we have, most of our foresters have, you know, background or specialize in some different thing and um, have had experience dealing with landowners. And that's just part of it is um, I think helping people really look at their forest, but also kind of envision what they want their forest to be. Um, so that's absolutely part of the services that we provide is just having a conversation about, you know, your forests and what you want it to be, um, you know, and then just starting to really kind of formulate, you know, break that into, well, what would my objectives be? You know, I let's say I want a healthy forest, but what does that mean? Well, I really want to focus on wildlife or or I really care about the aesthetics, or I really want this to be sustainable to pass down through my family. Um, you know, just having those conversations is really important, and and having that with an expert is really valuable. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So um, I'm I'm curious, um, Anne or, or Gary, whoever wants to, you know, um, take this one. What are some of the forest pressures in Western Washington that you all are um, are hearing about from these landowners? Like, what are some common issues that forest owners might ask you about that makes this kind of programming necessary? Yeah, um, I think that it's a lot of stands that are very dense and have stagnant growth. So they could be stands that were naturally regenerated after the last last harvest and then sold off um, for development. Uh, or sometimes it's a stand that actually was replanted, usually in dug fir, and it was never thinned. So uh, we see a lot of dense forests here. And then also landowners who have um, dense forests around their homes and they want to do fuels reduction projects around their homes. Um, and then, of course, we get a lot of people asking questions about cedar dieback and uh, that kind of thing. Um, so a mix of mixed forests or single species stands that are that were just uh, left to grow on their own. So a quick question, just a quick follow-up. Um, in my experience working with a lot of forest owners, a lot of times, you know, people take over and they don't have any background in forestry. All they know that is they, they like trees and they want to be around them, which is great. Um, but they don't often understand that they require management. And it's there's always kind of an aha moment of oh i just I, you know i had no idea that having you know 400 trees per acre dug for isn't really healthy in the long run and that i have to do something what are um what have been your experience so far with with forest owners you know what what have been the stories they've told you as to why they reached out to you in the first place and how they realized that something needed to be done yeah i think a lot of it is people new to the area and they never owned uh, forest land, like Kelsey was saying. 
Um, so they'll reach out to us and they're just like, I, I don't even know where to start. Or they might already have an idea that they would like to thin. Um, and uh, they'd just like a little bit more information on that. And then, of course, they might be interested in uh, cost share assistance. Um, but we do get a lot of landowners who want to live in the woods and they weren't expecting that they're going to have to live with that. So it's a, it's a big thing that we see every week. Yeah. Yeah. I'll piggyback on there. It's, it, it really is, it kind of runs the gamut, you know, the, of the, mm. the different types of forest landowners that, that approach us. Um, certainly are some of those that really have absolutely no idea where to start. They just know they, you know, bought 10 acres and, and left the big city and they're going to live the country life. Right. <laughs> so they're thinking, you know, they don't, haven't really you know thought through all the different uh, components and elements that, that, need to be considered when you own forest land and if you're wanting to manage your your forest responsibly and, and you know um, get the value out of it that you want out of it whether that's you know just having a mature old growth forest or if that's you know having a, a stand that is going to be something that you harvest in the future for the grandkids educational expenses or whatever you know it's just we really do kind of get a little bit of everything coming at us um a bulk of them, I think, do have some sense of kind of what they want out of their forest, but they don't know how to get there, right? So we can bring that information to them through the service forestry program and, and you know, help educate them. A lot of what I feel like our, our job and our work has been and our experience so far uh, in this first, you know, year, year and a half of the program is is really education and and filling people in on, you know, what they can and shouldn't do, or, you know, just all the things that they can consider when they're, they're thinking about how they may want to manage their property. And, you know, we get, you know, our target are small forest landowners and, and for our program definition, that's can be up to 5,000 acres, which is obviously not necessarily small forest land ownership in your mind. But, uh, you know, a lot of the landowners that come to us do just have those little, you know, two, three, five, 10 acre stands and, and, and they want to do good things with them. They want to maintain it for its, you know, health, its aesthetics, you know, habitat, um, a little bit of everything. But not knowing where to start, you know, that's where we can bring that that advice to them and, and make those you know, stand assessments and figure out what's going on in, in their stand and, and then, you know, develop recommendations in tandem with them and, and give them options for how they, you know, might want to approach their management uh, on their property. So that's it's just a, a huge amount of education in, in my mind and, and just really making them aware of what their options are to to think about when they're managing their land. That seems like a really rewarding line of work. Um, And just to see, you know, how certain landowners, like the ones that you mentioned that are just completely starting from scratch, like really allowing them to, or being able to see them uh, uh, create some ownership and some investment over their property. Um, It just seems like a really cool job. Um, Are there any projects that um, y'all have completed completed over the last year that like have really stuck with you or any specific ones that you really got you fired up or you were you were excited about the results? I can think of a couple that were kind of interesting. Um, I'm taking alder and thinning it but having some alder on the landscape and having it almost um, shelter wood for cedar um, and with blackberry control. So 
we met with a landowner who started that project before, um, had pretty good success with it years ago, and then wanted to do another uh, similar patch of work on her property. And um, I'm really excited to see how those cedars take off um, or what the result will be. Um, but she's kept on the blackberry um, over the years and until those trees have overtopped that. And it'd be nice to see how that um, how that landscape changes over time. So that was one that really stood out in my mind. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a pretty monumental accomplishment. Um, I know a lot of landowners that I've spoken to just seem com- feel completely trapped by their blackberry growth, and um, <laughs> it would be pretty empowering to kind of um, yeah make the landowner understand that it can be, they can actually take back the control. Right. Um, right. Yeah, that's really cool, Anne. Yeah, I, I yeah. think uh, you know it's kind of veering onto that topic a little bit more a lot of folks really don't realize how extensive the invasive species challenges are in the peninsula, but we have a ton of Himalayan blackberry across the landscape. We have a ton of scotch broom issues across the landscape and people, you know, it seems like the bulk of folks don't really recognize that and and the significance of the issue. And so that's a lot of the landowners that we've been uh, working with, you know, we're helping them address those invasive species challenges by, you know, say they, for example, they have a acre blackberry patch and they want a forest back on that landscape. You know, we can help them with that brush control and, and get uh, the site, you know, prepped and open back up and, and then they can, we can you know, help them get things replanted there and, and reestablish a forest. Um, that's been an exciting element of it for me is um, there's been an, a handful of landowners that have come to us. It's like, okay, I have this old pasture, you know, farm field that I want to turn back into a forest. I want to have trees on my property again. So, you know, we've been able to help those folks um, navigate that path towards getting trees reestablished in a, in a chunk of ground. Um, I had a project out near Elma um, recently where we, um, you know, set them up to do just that on about a 16-acre chunk of former pasture. So it's really cool that we can get that place, you know, site reforested and get some trees growing back on the landscape. Because in the in the bigger picture, another you know element of the program is is to keep forests on the landscape and keep those small forest landowners in forestry rather than taking all the trees off of their property and converting it to other uses uh, where we can help them do that. You know, and that's another, you know, it's a really rewarding part of the program for me is to help mm-hmm. get that, um, you know, let, <clears throat> help facilitate that with landowners and get them um, the, the tools and resources they need to do just that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that sentiment a lot, Gary. I think about it. Well, it's, I mean, it's my day job, so I think about it all the time. Actually, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> um, Yeah, like, what are we doing? How, how is what we do keep these lands forested? Um, we talk a lot about the, the issues that are facing forest owners and sort of the one that we don't talk about a lot because it's really difficult to directly impact is conversion. Um, but if we can... in encourage forest owners to engage with their forests, make it easier for them to manage um, and help help people both realize and enhance the value of their forests, then I think there's no way that we're not having an impact on, on reducing conversion. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be going to work. Uh, <laughs> yeah, same here, same here. <laughs> right, yeah, it's, right. It's, a, you know, it's part of the day-to-day for us. And, and you know, 
the beauty of our program is is the ability to provide the financial assistance to our cost share program that can help those folks that may have um, some challenges with the, the resources available to effectively manage their forests. Um, you know, we've had several of the landowners that we've signed up for a cost share that just couldn't have done it otherwise. And so it's, it's really cool that we can provide that um, assistance financially to help those things get done on the landscape scale and, and at that local property owner scale. So that's another really, really cool thing about the job. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just want to say that I think one of the really gratifying things about working with landowners is seeing that a little goes a long way in, in terms of education, but also management where, you know, you thin your forest, you don't have to go back in the next year and redo it. Um, you know, if you make smart management decisions, those pay off for quite a while. Um, and then also with the education, and I know, Patrick, you've probably seen this working with landowners who take classes that I would see this feedback so often where people say, oh, I... I'm looking at my forest with fresh eyes now. And that would be after, you know, just a couple of classes, like people learn a little bit and it changes their entire perspective. And you don't need a degree in forestry. You don't need to be a professional or an expert, but just having a little bit of education, um, you know, as a landowner makes such a difference. I I couldn't agree more. And that is my by far my favorite comment to get on any of the classes uh, and someone referred to it as overcoming their tree blindness um, once, which I felt was like, it was pretty accurate. And, you know, and I remember feeling that, um, you know, in, in school and, and going through a forestry program. And um, I remember getting a comment from a landowner who said, when I drive down the road now, I don't just see a wall of green. I'm looking at the forest, uh, you know, and I'm seeing what trees are there. I'm looking at the structure of the forest, how old it probably, you know, all of these things. And of course, also like mm -hmm. the forest health issues. And then I, you know, to that, it's like, well, wel welcome to the curse, right? Because <laughs> now you're that guy that's always walking around in a forest and thinking about uh, what kind of restoration it needs to. There's a double, it's a double-edged sword sometimes, but I think it's Definitely. really, um, it's just really cool to, to watch people kind of go through that transformation. Um, so I wanted to kind of switch gears and, and think about the future, um, not necessarily of, of the program itself, but how the, how the program is going to handle the future, so to speak. Uh, we're at a really interesting place right now with forest health in Washington state. We're dealing with a lot of issues. Climate change is the obvious one when we think about how things are going to change in the next few decades, but there's also things like uh, new invasive species, new invasive weeds, invasive pests and disease. Emerald ash borer is present in the Pacific Northwest now. Um, I wonder, you know, if obviously you can't give me an example of a project yet, or maybe you can, um, but how, how is the program going to handle, uh, you know, a, a forest health um, assistance, you know, initiative at a time when forest health is changing so much? I know that's a really broad question, but maybe to be more specific, you know, are are you getting interest from landowners and things like um, seed zone transfer or thinning stands to lower densities uh, out of concern about drought, um, you know, drought damage and, and resource management? 
And, and how are you handling those knowing that, you know, this decade could look a lot different than next decade? Well, I just want to speak for a kind of a, on a Western Washington perspective, and then I'd really love to hear what Gary and Ann have to say about the projects in their regions. Um, but I think, you know, landowners are becoming more and more aware of the potential issues that are going to face them in the future. Um, and, and people are, you know, they have good ideas about where to go with that. So up in the Northwest region, uh, which includes the San Juan Islands, folks up there are really interested in wildfire risk uh, mitigation. So they're working with the staff up there to do fuels reduction projects. Um, I know in actually in South Puget Sound, so that's the area um, kind of to the west and north of where Gary and Ann work. They were really busy this year because a wildfire campaign that DNR spearheaded called Wildfire Ready Neighbors launched in three of their counties. So they were doing a lot of outreach, um, which generated a lot of phone calls from landowners who were already thinking about it and were we're excited to hear that there were more resources to work on wildfire. So, you know, I think that's something that everybody is aware of in Western Washington, and a lot of people seem interested in getting more information about that. Uh, and then down in Southwest, like you mentioned with Emerald Ashbor, um, I think folks are becoming aware that right now, as far as we know, Emerald Ashbor isn't in Washington, but it's in Oregon. So, it's likely that it'll probably reach those southwestern Washington counties first. And so they're, you know, doing more research, educating staff are educating themselves on the potential um, risks of that and potential management uh, actions, um, you know. And again, I think it's a lot of it's starting with education um, with landowners, just learning more about these issues that people have identified. Thanks. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, I know it's, it's a very complicated question and there's, <laughs> I, I don't have an answer as to what things are going to, you know, look like in the next several decades, but it is, it's just such a challenge. And when you have a program that's focused on forest health, it is just so important that we um, be touching base with what the, what the landowners are facing on the ground, essentially establishing like a two way street. Um, and I know that, that you all are doing a really great job of that. And, and, the, and the program is built to respond from the ground up, which I think is, is really important. Yeah, I just, I wanted to say one more thing that I think you were getting at with, um, you know, the education is that we're service foresters. We're not, you know, operating in a vacuum. Um, we couldn't. Uh, so we're lucky that we have a lot of resources that, um, we can reach out to. We've got a forest health program within DNR. Um, you know, we've got researchers at WSU, and we partner with a lot of people, a lot of different organizations um, who also work directly with landowners. So I think, you know, whatever these challenges are, it's really going to have to come from collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. And to, there's external partners, of course, as well. Um, you know, we don't want to ignore the fact that uh, for a long time, you know, when there was only one stewardship forester in with the DNR in Western Washington, um, there 
were some CD foresters, by that I mean conservation district foresters doing some really great work and are still doing great work. Uh, and we have this wonderful landscape of organizations um, that are all out there just to help forest owners. Uh, and that includes WSU, DNR, conservation districts, Washington Tree Farm Program, NRCS. And we, you know, it's the whole point of this podcast is to get folks like that on to talk about that. Um, so I hope that landowners that are listening understand and are hopefully not overwhelmed by either the amount of support that's available to them. Um, and maybe that's a place to go next, actually. You, you talked, uh, you mentioned about uh, a landowner portal uh, as a way to connect with this program. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and, um, you know, where, where can people find it, I guess? Yeah, so last year, DNR launched what's called the Landowner Assistance Portal. Um, so that's one place you can find us, um, as well as other services that DNR provides. So we've got folks in uh, forest regulations and regulation assistance foresters who are kind of like service foresters, but they work more on the regulation side. So if you're thinking about harvesting, um, yeah, they can give you more information. We've got different... Uh, financial assistance programs, for instance, uh, culvert replacement. There's a program on that that works directly with landowners. Um, community resilience is a program all about wildfire risk reduction. So all of those landowner programs are on the landowner assistance portal. And if you just go to our main website, so you could Google WADNR, um, the main page, you should see the landowner assistance portal up at the top um, or you know, right at the bottom of the page. You'll find the link to that. Um, to find a service forester directly, you, we have what's called the Find Your Forester tool. So if you're just interested in getting a site visit and you don't know who to call, um, again, just you know, going to the main page or just Googling WADNR, find your forester, um, that tool will pop right up. And so that's a map where you just put in your address and it'll zoom in on where you are and then bring up a whole list of all of the landowner assistance resources through DNR. And the landowner assistance, the, excuse me, the service forester in your area should be right at the top. So they're really easy to find. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I know, I mean, with this increased capacity, you guys have been um, doing some really great work. And, and Gary and Ann, I believe you've even been involved with, I think, Molly, most likely, uh, some putting on some workshops of your own. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you did out there and if you have anything else planned? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and we indeed uh, coordinated with Molly um, on, on a recent effort that we held uh, within Olympic region. Uh, we, we called it the forestry 101 field day. Um, and it was uh, intended to target again, those small forest landowners that are um, you know, looking to manage their property more effectively. And so um, we put together an actual, you know, get together field day out, out there on the ground um, to include, you know, some basic information about what the service forestry program is and what we do and, and then we uh, um, had the pleasure of Molly um, talking about what we like to call loosely uh, bugs and crud. <laughs> um, 
um, you know, some of the, the, the forest pests that uh, can affect a, a landowner's forest out there. Um, and then we uh, also included some, uh, some mensuration techniques um, and led a great section on um, talking about, well, how do you figure out how many trees you have in your landscape or, you know, the, uh, uh, measurements, um, how to, how to basically take a, a plot of your forest to, to come up with a, a sample uh, to extrapolate out to, to get a better sense of how many trees you have on each acre of your forest and which species you have on your forest, how big are they, you know, those kind of things. And uh, also included some, uh, uh, we had a, actually a, a pretty cool venue that we're going to take advantage of again, but it, uh, we have uh, some walking trails that were part of the day that where we could actually take folks along, you know, and walk and talk and point stuff out about uh, forest conditions. Um, that site, they did some recent thinning in one portion of it to address some um, localized root rot. So we talked about that and we talked about like, you know, what, what considerations can you make when you're managing forest for um, creating skips and gaps to create increased you know, complexity in the stand and, and maybe break up um, some heavy fuel areas or as an example. And then we had other stations where we could talk about uh, pre-commercial thinning and, and um, you know, when you replant, how far apart do you want your trees to be? And, you know, which species mix do you want to try to incorporate uh, when you're doing those things? So it was a great day. Uh, and we had a, a um, we actually, we tried to um, keep a manageable uh, amount of attendees just because of the, the physical limitations of the, the building on the site and, and wanting to have uh, groups that weren't too large to, you know, effectively take along and, and actually gather around in a spot and have a conversation along a trail kind of thing. So um, anyway, it uh, ended up being just a, a great day. Um, everybody is super appreciative. Um, and we did end up with a waiting list of other folks that were also interested um, that uh, we had to unfortunately turn away that day. Um, so we are certainly planning for some additional days like that uh, to take place here in the future for sure. But the, that was just, it was a great day, well received. Um, yeah, everybody was um, there and well engaged and, you know, had tons of questions for, for all of us. Um, and I, I just, I feel like it turned out really well. Yeah, I really felt like that was a really positive environment, Gary. I was so happy to be involved. Um, it really struck me, not only was it exciting to see such a neat um, interagency collaboration, like, we had representation from the Cloudham Conservation District. You know, there was WSU giving the bugs and crud talk and then DNR folks um, talking about forest measurements and thinning practices and everything. And um, it, it all just moves seamlessly from one to another. Um, and I was definitely struck by the engagement and like, honestly, like the hunger of the people that were there. They were so passionate. They were so psyched to be there. Um, and from the sound of things, yeah, that's a pretty weighty um, wait list that you referenced. So how, what would be the best way for people to find out about upcoming programming um, that you guys are going to be putting on? Well, we've been um, working with the conservation district quite a bit, and they've got a newsletter that comes out with uh, our programs. We had three others before the forestry field day. There were many workshops, uh, field workshops, and they're one good source of information for things that we plan. They've been very helpful in planning and helping us plan out these events, um, very supportive. Uh, so that's one way. And then we have our own mailing list of landowners that we've worked with in the past, and we invite them as well. Right. 
and and um, just to step back a, a notch, um, you know, when we first started um, into this whole process of service forestry and Olympic region specifically, um, we were stepping into an environment that has been historically underserved on the forestry front. They haven't had a lot of resources available to them at those local levels. So when we contacted Clallam County, once we got started, they were just absolutely thrilled <laughs> to hear our voices and, and know that we were coming into existence. And we had this great program where we could provide some resources to landowners that they didn't have to go pay for a consultant to get, you know, I mean, our services are free. And, and then again, you know, on top of that, we're like, Hey, we'll pay for some of what you need to do kind of thing. So it was, uh, they, they were just super jazzed that, that we were coming into the mix of things. And, and so they've just been a tremendous partner to work with and, and really helped us on a lot of kind of some of that back end stuff like uh, Kelsey was referring to where, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that also takes place besides what gets you know presented out there on the face to face stuff. So um, they've been a tremendous partner and, and we really have enjoyed working with them and and we have since all this kind of started to unfold and evolve you know now we have this awesome uh, quarterly meeting where um, we sit down and talk about our forest land education needs and, and wants and desires in the region and strategies for how um, you know including you know WSU and, and any of those other local uh, constituents how we can all collectively help get the word out there and provide these workshops like we did in the past and uh, our last meeting we were talking about um, uh, the coach planning course that's going to be coming up for, for WSU um, this next winter. And, and yes, thanks for the plug Gary. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, we're, we're really excited to have that, you know, being able to, to um, uh, as an option in, in Olympic region, because it hasn't been, um, you know, specific to landowners in that area for, for, for many years. So it's, it's super exciting to be able to, kind of start putting all these pieces together and working with with you guys and and our other partners at that local level to really kind of just start putting all the pieces together and getting our collective word out there about how we can help these landowners um, do some really awesome things on their land i can't tell you how cool it is to see all the good work that has been done uh through this program in such a short amount of time and a lot of really great people getting hired and, and um and it's been a pleasure to get to meet you and uh, and hopefully we'll we'll be able to work together um, more closely in the future as well yeah definitely um, and for me you know i just if i hire the right people that just makes me look good right <laughs> <laughs> good so, so my part of the sure. job's easier <laughs> no i mean my staff and and, and our other uh, um for service forestry specialist raleigh have just been amazing to 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 work with and they've they've been the true um like you know was stated earlier they're the boots on the ground i mean and, and right now and um, we do have a remaining vacancy and um, that we're hoping to get filled sometime soon um to complement ann and, and raleigh's work in our region but you know i've, I've been covering some of the kind of the south southern end of, of stuff just to, due to my uh, remote work location and and ann and raleigh have been covering that clallam jefferson component um kind of on the northeast portion of the peninsula which in all reality is where a bulk of the interest and need is at right now and just based on that's where we have the most folks living that have some of those you know smaller landscape level uh, landscape ownerships that, that are interested in, in doing some cool stuff on their property so they're mm. they're definitely uh, 
rock stars in my mind and, and I think we're we're doing great things in the region for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another good plug. If any listeners are, are interested in a position like that, you should definitely uh, check that out. Yep, give me a shout. This is a great place <laughs> to live. Yeah. All right. Well, we are at time. Um, I just wanted to thank you all for, for joining uh, today. And we had an excellent conversation. Um, you know, do you have any last uh, uh, thoughts you want to get out to the listeners before we close out? Well, I just want to say, um, you know, for people not in Olympic region that there's a lot of, you know, other work, education going on, both with DNR and with WSU. Uh, so if you if you want to learn about um, things going on in your region, it's really great to subscribe to the Forest Stewardship Notes newsletter or DNR's Small Forest Landowner newsletter. Uh, both of those come out three times a year. I think it's every other month. Uh, and those, each of those has updates about what might be coming up, workshops, classes, things like that. So that's a really good way to find out about what's going on in different regions. Yep. Yeah, the collective team, you know, each region is doing amazing things. It's not just what's happened in the Olympics. So, you know, we have right. a lot of uh, um, landowners that have ownership across region boundaries too so you know they may be able to work with um, some different folks in each right. of our regions so all right well with that i will give one last call to action here and say definitely check out uh well check out that newsletter that uh, kelsey mentioned for stewardship notes and the small force landowner newsletter both really great ways to get information also, you can check out the uh, landowner assistance portal that we discussed, which is at dnr.wa.gov backslash landowner assistance portal. And of course, uh, always go to forestry.wsu.edu. And there we'll have any events that we're doing uh, in extension forestry. Uh, but we also like to highlight partner events as well. So, you know, whenever you guys are doing stuff, uh, the DNR, we can get that up on the website and help get the word out. Absolutely. All right. Well, another great episode on the books. Uh, we'll close out and see you next month. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks, everyone.